Hi, and welcome to Let's Talk Forex with Alison and Chris. Uh, this episode is a little bit longer than usual. We've got a special guest. His name is Monty Barnard. He's Chief Operating Officer of Trade, one of our uh, broker partners based out of South Africa. And it's a bit of a wide-ranging conversation, but one that we thought would be really interesting for a lot of our listeners to get a real sense of what it's like to run a broker. Also, keep an eye out for our Forex Awards. They are going live on our YouTube channel this week. So uh, you can see, you can see who we think uh, the best brokers for 2022. Uh, thanks for listening. Bye. Hi, welcome to our 27th episode. Today we're very excited to talk to Monty Barnard, the COO of a South African broker we've worked with for many years, Quasi Trade. Welcome, Monty. All right, thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be on the podcast. Fantastic. Yeah, it's good to have you here, Monty. I mean, I've known you for a few years. We've worked with Quasi Trade for some time. Um, but do you want to maybe tell us a bit about yourself and a bit about Quasi Trade? Sure, sure, no problem. Um, yes, I've been here for about working for Quasi for about eight years. Um, so, Quasi Trade is a division of Quasi Financial Services, which is the regulated entity. And um, yeah, we're a regulated financial services provider and also. As of about a year ago, uh, authorized OTC derivatives provider, um, only the second in South Africa. So we're very proud of that fact for being a small team and um, yeah, getting the license. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's um, we know we've been watching uh, the South African landscape for some time and we know how, how difficult it's, well, not how difficult it's been, but like it's certainly been a long process for you guys to get, uh, to get, regu- get this license. And uh, and as you say, you're only the second. You're the second to receive it. Is that correct? Yeah. So second non-bank, more specifically. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, when we started the process, I don't think we we thought would be the second one to be approved. You know, we're a smaller smaller team out of Cape Town, but I think we we had um, good rapport with the FCA. Um, yeah, it was it was a lengthy and stressful process for sure. Mm-hmm. About two years in total. Um, But yeah, (laughs) once you get the license, you realize um, it's now a matter of maintaining it or maintaining the license will be even harder than the application process. So it was, it was bittersweet, really. (laughs) Well done, Monty. That's, that's, that's quite an achievement considering the, you know, how difficult it is to understand all the laws and and adhere to all the laws. And it's it's such a changing landscape. Um, so yeah, that's that's quite impressive. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think it. Uh, we got very lucky with uh, the various consultants and lawyers that assisted us in getting our license. Uh, we were very privileged to have them on our team, and um, for sure, without them, uh, <laughs> we probably wouldn't have had the license. But we've got a great team in terms of the compliance and um, the lawyers. So yes, that was a massive help for us. Fantastic. And uh, Monty, you've, you've been at QuasiTrade for some time now. How long, how long have you been there for? Yes, I started in 2015, uh, June or July, if I remember correctly. Um, and yeah, we're quite excited for 2023. It marks 10 years of uh, Quasi being in operation. You know, humble beginnings um, from referring clients to other brokers, uh, more partners coming on board, and then the guys realizing that they've got... Um, enough clients that they can start their own brokerage and that's that's where I came in and 
we started with 60 clients on the book on my first day and yeah we've grown it from there so it's been a, a roller coaster ride but it's been good it's been been very interesting yeah and that's i mean something i, I why we really wanted to have you on i guess um today is that you know you've been there for a long time south africa in terms of uh as a forex trading market, you know, as an industry, has gone through a lot of upheavals. I mean, you've seen, you must have seen a lot of, a lot of change over the, since your time starting there. And that's really what I mean. I really wanted to kind of hear your story and and try and put it in context of the global, of the global story. What's happened to the forex market um, since? When did you say you started twenty fifteen? You were you've been there since. That's right. Yes, I, I worked in the industry before that um, with other with other brokers um, and. A little bit in insurance, which, which I didn't like, but uh, so I got back into the industry and been here ever since. Um, but yeah, the changes, yeah, the industry has changed uh, dramatically. I mean, if you just go back to say 2015, it was totally different, completely different. Yeah, it was, and that's I mean, kind of it's the first uh, thing I'd like to really talk to you about is we we as a company, you know, we've noticed. Obviously, the, the main, the big earthquake uh, back around then, 2015 to, to 2018, was these ESMA interventions in, um, in Europe. Uh, and I, I would like to start there, if that's okay, uh, because I'd really like to know is, is how this affected South Africa and, and just get your thoughts on it. For those, uh, for those who don't know, um, in, when, when was it, Monty? Is it, I think about 2016 when the European Union started looking at CFD trading. Um, That's correct. Yes, as a problem, yeah, and uh, not not necessarily a problem, but that may be something that they want to regulate a little bit tighter. They weren't happy to just let it go. Twenty, let's say twenty fifteen, the market was very different. Just from a, you know, there was a lot less brokers in South Africa to compete with. The client acquisition costs were a lot lower. So you know, if you if you um, ran ads on Google, for instance. Um, it was a lot cheaper to acquire a client. Um, the amount of people that asked for higher leverage over, say, 100 to 1 was minimal. Um, and the, yeah, a lot less, lot less than today, I would say. Um, and, and it goes hand in hand with, 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 um, with the average deposits were also a lot higher back then. So clients would start with, say, I think at one stage our average deposit for first-time deposits were about seven thousand rand. Um, where nowadays you're looking at, I would say, if you look at the market average, probably between uh, one thousand five hundred and two thousand rand average first-time deposit. Um, wow. So yes, it's changed dramatically, and I mean, it's just because people have less money to enter the market with, so they need higher leverage to make that money work for them. But with that comes more risk. Yeah. And would you say that uh, following these these interventions in Europe and the new restrictions, did you see like um, a lot more brokers moving into South Africa? Did you see more competition? A lot more. Um, yeah, and I, th- and I think uh, there's still a lot more coming in every day. Um, I think the last time we counted, there were more than 60-odd uh, brokers with similar product offerings to us in South Africa now. And the majority of these are obviously trading, you know, I wouldn't say illegally, but without the necessary licenses. I mean, there's, at the moment, there's only six approved ODPs in South Africa. Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, you say, I mean, 
you know, and we, as we were talking about, you know, a lot of these, these brokers that were mainly Europe-focused, I see a lot of them now in the South African market. I mean, I, uh, you know, and I saw that they've got, um, they've got, they got the, the previous license, what it's called, FAIS, FSP, before the ODP. Yes, so you've got, you can register to the business, right? That's all that means. Yes, you've got two different licenses now, which we have both. So you've got the normal financial services provider or FSP license, which covers you in terms of financial advisory and intermediary services. So you can basically um, sell products on behalf of um, a, a, another company. An easy example is think of a broker selling an insurance policy on behalf of the insurance house. So it's similar to that. Um, you can provide the services, but you may not issue the product itself. Or in the insurance industry, you would underwrite that product. So now as, as uh, Quezi has the ODP license, which is the over-the-counter derivatives provider's license, we are then authorized to create the product and uh, under our FSP license um, sell the product and provide the intermediary services around that. What we find actually with a lot of the brokers that operate in South Africa, so maybe this is also what you're saying, is we find that even though they've got this FACA license um, that they publish on their website, we find that they often onboard South Africans through other licenses, often the Seychelles or Mauritius. So they obviously don't have the ODP. Um, so are they using another brokerage as a white label or is this just a completely offshore license that South Africans then trade but in a different country? Yes, it's tough to say. I mean, there's so many different ways to, to set it up in terms of a white label or a product of. or um, I mean, I know that a lot of the offshore brokers up until now hasn't applied for the ODP because they simply have an intermediary registered in South Africa, which is the FSP. And they are selling um, the CFD products on behalf of the head office, which is, say, in Cyprus or in London. Um, but, yes, you are right, Alison. In some cases, these, these clients' funds are taken offshore, even without the client knowing. And mm. I know a while back we had the finance, previous finance minister come out and say that these transactions are not legal, um, you know, for clients to fund their investment accounts, if you want to call it that with their credit cards because they're indirectly taking money offshore without even knowing it and not yeah. following the proper channels in terms of applying under your your um, allowance that each individual has to take money offshore annually. Yes, that was, that was something we were finding a lot. Um, when we were doing these reviews, I often found when I you know applied for these accounts, um, I would assume that I'd be onboarded through the FSCA being a South African and suddenly I would be in a, you know, I'd be onboarded through the, the Mauritius or Seychelles entity, which was... Quite or Belize, or yeah. Saint, what's it, the British, Saint Saint, the British Virgin yeah. Islands, or Saint Vincent and the Grenadines. Yeah, yeah. there is yeah. a lot of that. We see that often. Yeah. And um, yeah, so the, so yeah, it sounds like South Africa's. You know, the it's moving in the right direction, regulatory wise. And it's something I wanted to come back to a little bit later, Monty. But I mean, I just wanted to get your thoughts, basically, on these restrictions that when Europe, because what we, and the thing is what we've seen, you know, since these restrictions came in in Europe and the UK in 2018, I think is when they, when they are, um, they were finally put down on paper for all brokers. We've since seen Australia follow suit uh, in ASIC. All the Australian brokers are now got leverage restrictions. Um, and I mean, do you, are the, do you see these as beneficial? Because I mean, obviously we look at it from a trader's point of view and we think we see a lot of beginners come through 
um, you know, and we see a lot of beginners who don't really understand what they're doing in terms of risk management, um, in terms of, you know, how much leverage they should use, um, in terms of what kind of capital they need to start opening an account with. And so my, my instinct when I see this is that, look, this is really good for traders, you know, this kind of these leverage restrictions and these, 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 uh, these protections. I mean, uh, but you as a as a broker, I mean, uh, do you would you feel the same way? I mean, is there an is there a is there an upside here for brokers, or is it all just the upside? Is it just for traders? Um, no, I think there's definitely some upside for the brokers. It's simply for us locally to to work closer with the FCA um, would be great because it always feels like there's maybe a little bit of a Chinese wall. You know, um, you you don't really feel that you can always approach them, but that's changing with the ODP. Um, you know, we've got uh, uh, ODP forum now, which we can approach. The FSCA is part of a forum, so there's other six ODPs. Um, but yes, I think there's definite benefits for for um, the industry. I mean, if 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 the if there are less brokers in the market that are operating um, the right way. Even with the lower leverage, we should still be able to, to, to run a good business and to continue to offer the products that we've been offering. Um, but yeah, I think it's a thin line also to, to walk you know, in terms of over-regulation and making sure that clients are treated fairly. I think it's, it's obviously very difficult. Yeah, no, it is. It is a tricky one. That's something that we, you know, we, we, we look at. I and mean, We're obviously, you know, we're an internationally focused, company and we, we work a lot in South Africa but then we also work a lot in the UK and um, and Australia and and in Europe and so it's something that we kind of balance um, we're, all, we're often thinking about is you know when we talk to beginners in in Europe they seem to be um, yeah we're, we're more comfortable with lower levels of leverage but um, you know you see in South Africa I mean we see it all the time Alison like some brokers you know offering 2,000 to one or yeah. higher leverage levels unlimited. <laughs> unlimited you know and, yeah. that, and that and that that for me and as you know and, and you as a broker you know saying you know this is you know this isn't necessarily a bad thing it's something we can operate with but i mean i also i also would be concerned i mean you were saying like what six years ago nobody wanted very few people wanted high levels of leverage mm -hmm. so is this like a recent phenomenon uh, over the last few years of the these inc these increasingly high levels of leverage um, yeah, I think there was obviously some brokers that operated so that's no longer in the market before that's played a big role in um, not only exposing a lot more people to trading, but also exposing them to the wrong mindset. You know, mm. you want to put in as little amount of money as possible and trade over a, a news event, for instance, CPI of late is obviously the biggest with interest rates around the world. Um, going crazy and inflation, and they want to. It's either you know black or red, basically. Um, and I think that's the the wrong ways. And it's also target younger younger traders. So it's drawn in a lot of younger traders who wants to start with small money. And you know that's also um, something that's obviously got to do with the economy. I mean, people have a lot um, have less disposable income. So mm. if if you want to trade, you need, you know, let's say you want to start 500 or 1,000 Rand, which isn't a lot. You know, you need bigger leverage to take multiple positions with that small balance. Um, so I think it's a combination of things. I think it's, um, you know, being a third world country, there's a less disposable income. 
Um, the competition between local brokers and foreign brokers coming in is obviously ran, ramped up significantly. So everyone's trying to out-offer the, you know, or beat the, their competitors with offering something different. Like you said, some brokers offer 2,000 to one leverage, which, you know, in my opinion is obviously <laughs> insane. You know, we, we, we over time had to obviously adapt to the market. So we're up to 400 now, but I don't okay. see us offering higher than that. I mean, it's 100 to 1 is already so risky. 400 to 1 is, you know, I mean, the last CPI move was 4.5%. That's a massive market move. If you have 1 to 400 leverage. Um, <laughs> In the wrong yeah. direction, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I think it's it's a tough one. Like I said before, the, the client acquisition costs have gone up. The average deposits have gone down. Add leverage to that that's going to be lower um yeah it's definitely going to get more and more difficult but at the same time we welcome the regulation because we know that we'll continue to be in the market because we're doing things the right way and we've done so for close to 10 years now and there's always going to be a space for a broker like us who you know keeps you know clients funds safe in segregated bank accounts we treat them fairly um I mean, we, we, we try to focus on clients with larger deposits rather than lots of clients with small deposits. I was just about to say that, Monty. Um, you know, we were talking about how the landscape has also changed in terms of traders, where you're getting a lot younger traders who are more inexperienced putting in, as you say, smaller deposits and using maybe higher leverage. Hmm. Um, but those aren't the traders that sort of keep in the game. You know, they, they sort of come and do one or two trades, lose all their money, and then they're out. Um, so your focus is obviously, you know, you want, you want to focus on traders who, who will build up slowly, um, really get some good experience, understand how to trade. Um, so I, I'm guessing you're also saying that, that that's sort of your focus. 100%. Um, yeah, I mean, we've always tried to, to offer personal service, you know, offer clients a fair and transparent honest trading platform um you know technology goes wrong sometimes but we'll investigate each um, client's query individually and um, always try to do our best to, to 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 do the right thing and yes we're looking for the larger players because at the end of the day if, if the leverage should go down to 30 to 1 um, those clients with larger deposits can still trade in the market and take advantage of of the movements in these instruments Whereas I think the, uh, the, whole, the whole industry will change in South Africa once the leverage restrictions comes in. Um, and those, let's say that group of clients, the younger market, for instance, will then go trade in the next jurisdiction where they can get the 100 to 1 leverage. So I think it's a bit of a chain reaction. We're now in that phase where the EU and FCA brokers are, are trading in South Africa because they can offer it. But once... The regulator take that away they'll just move on to the next jurisdiction and operate from there yeah that's a very good point it's not one i'd considered actually that um that this is this may be seen uh, for many of these brokers who've come in from the eu over the last few years as just a temporary stop and and you, you said you know the fsca you see you sound fairly confident that the fsca is gonna in south africa is gonna follow suit you think they're gonna lower leverage levels i mean over the next few years at some point um, certainly. I mean, they, they're part of G20, so to stay part of the G20, it's my understanding at least that they would need to implement things like the ODP, a trader repository, 
and you know for the general financial in, you know financial industry around the world these changes are believed to be necessary so we've had some questionnaires from the FSCA asking you know what is your average leverage so they've asked the questions mm. it's now just a matter of you know um, I think so they're thinking about it certainly I, I have no doubt it's coming it's just a matter of when I think with the you know the, a couple of weeks ago they were talking about regulating cryptos. So it certainly sounds like they're following the path of, of the European and uh, British regulators and Australian regulators in terms of uh, clamping down a bit bit harder on, on various brokers. 100%. Yeah, look, the uh, applications must be in before, I think, middle June next year for crypto providers. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're following a similar process to what we've been through now with the ODP. Um, and yeah, good luck to them. It's not going to be an easy one, that's for sure. No, no, it isn't. I mean, and then crypto is such a wild west anyway. I mean, I know I've been reading about you know the EU and the you know the UK and the Americans struggle basically to even start thinking how do you regulate such a market. Um, I think the FSCA has got a real job in their hands, especially in South Africa, which has a really advanced crypto market already. Uh, there's a lot of players and a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's similar to the ODP license. I mean, mm-hmm. the regulation has brought the brokers that are issuing the CFDs and the regulator a lot closer because, mm-hmm. you know, we need their guidance, but they also need ours because they need to understand what they're regulating and how it works and how the products are issued and, 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 and all of that. So I view that as a good thing. But yes, they're definitely going to have to get... Uh, for instance, some of the big, big South African crypto exchanges, and those guys will work alongside the FUCA to create the regulation. I don't see another way of doing it. Mm. No. And that, that brings me on to something else I wanted to mention. I noticed that Quezzi doesn't offer crypto CFDs, but I'm sure you've noticed uh, over the last few years this broader theme of a lot of brokers jumping into crypto CFDs. You know, and we had a chat about this last week, didn't we, Alison? Um, yeah. Or the week before about how incredibly dangerous, not dangerous, but I mean, the volatility in crypto CFD trading, especially leveraged crypto CFD trading, is um, out of this world. It's super high risk. I mean, as you were talking about Monty earlier, you know, leverage of 400 to 1 is, is crazy enough with, um, more, with more traditional financial instruments. Um, what, what is your view on, on crypto CFDs as a broker? Um, yeah, it's been very tempting. I mean, like, again, we're competing with, all the offshore guys, some of them are taking crypto as deposits as well. But we've stayed away from that. Um, at the moment, we are authorized to offer currencies, um, commodities and indices under our ODP license. We'll probably look at adding shares at some point. And then, you know, what we've, we, we, we are of the view that we'll offer that once it's regulated. I don't know how it's going to be different in terms of CFD crypto products and normal crypto exchanges. We'll have to see how that's going to play out. But yeah, it's a difficult one. I mean, it's very risky. I mean, imagine adding 20 to 1 leverage on Bitcoin, which is already set on the time. It's crazy, right? And I was looking, some brokers, I mean, offer 100 to 1 leverage. On yeah. Brokers, you know? And remember that the risk goes both ways. It's, go, it's risky for the yeah. client and it's a risky for the brokers who needs to offset that position with yeah. someone else. So each to their own. That's something that I think a lot of, uh, it's interesting you bring that up. It was something I wanted to raise with you. I mean, a lot of traders, I think, see their um, their relationship with a broker as adversarial. 
that they're on one side and the brokers on the other. But they don't realize is that I think that how much risk the brokers take on by taking on CFD traders. Yes, I mean, again, with the products that are offered today with a massive leverage, again, some guys offering 2,000 to 1, there's, there's clients that take advantage of that. Um, they'll open an account with one broker and with another broker and buy with the one and sell with the other. You know, with zero balance protection, their loss is limited to the downside. And on the other side, they can make 20, 25 times their, their initial deposit. Um, over a big move like the CPI once again that was released earlier this month. So yeah, there's significant risk to brokers as well. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's definitely a challenge at time. Um, but again, I think we've we've navigated um, the South African market well. We've got clients who've been with us for many, many years. And, you know, sometimes they get lured away with better product offerings elsewhere just to return back to us and say that, you know, no one beats your customer service or the personalized mm. service you can offer us. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a place for everyone. The market is definitely big enough. Um, and each one will have to decide, you know, where they fit in into that market. Mm. And then just more generally, I know the last, look, the last few years have been crazy for the whole world, you know. And I was thinking, you know, you've got the... You, in South Africa, particularly, have this ODP license coming in. But then, you know, we've also seen, I mean, I remember when I first started working, you know, the the, the number of scams that I see these days um, in South Africa, not just in South Africa, around the world. And it seems to like it's increased under through COVID. Um, and I'm wondering if, if there's something that you've noticed at your end. 100%. Yeah, we actually last week, we were two people reported to us that we've got um, people running around South Africa claiming to work for us and soliciting funds, especially um, over WhatsApp or Instagram. So social media has definitely fueled the fire in terms of scams, making it a lot easier. So guys would use social media to to solicit um, funds from clients claiming that they're regulated. But again, it would be very simple for the consumer to actually know that it's a scam because you don't pay money to an individual ever. You pay it to an entity. But yeah, COVID obviously had its role as well. I mean, we worked along with the banks with some people that got scammed saying that they've been given a grant through COVID from the government. They would fill in their details. The money would end up with us. Luckily, we catch uh, the, the, the payment and we could refund the, the person that was scammed. Obviously, not everyone's always that lucky, but <laughs> luckily we, had, we, we, we could have helped two or three individuals. So on that note, we sort of always talk from like a trader perspective, but it's, it's very interesting to get a perspective from the broker side. So what, what is it like to run a broker in South Africa? What are your challenges? Like what motivates you? And what, what is unique to running a broker in South Africa versus running one you know, in, the, in the UK or the EU? Yeah, I think, again, it all comes down to, you know, it's a third world country, disposable income or less. It's it's, it's totally different from the EU, in my opinion. Not that I've operated there much, um, but I think it's definitely got its own challenges. Like I said before, previous brokers that's come and gone in the industry, especially locally, it's created this idea that, you know, you can turn your 500 rand into 20,000 rand within a day. Um, and it's created a whole new market of, um, you know, not only traders, but also introducing brokers who's selling this lifestyle. Um, you know, they've got <laughs> flashy cars on Instagram and massive houses. 
um, and they're selling signals and it's this. So it's really, you know, yeah, the market is driven by that lifestyle, I would say. Um, but in reality, that's that's not what trading is. I mean, really, it isn't. I mean, it, it should be seen as a as as any other investment, as a as something that could yield returns um, in, in the long term. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, on that note, I guess. I mean, where, where do you see what do you see the future of forex trading looking like? I mean, we've you know we've come this far. We talked a bit about the evolution, this new ODP license, the rise of scams. You know the this idea of gambling and higher leverage and, you know, how the interventions in Europe have, have made South Africa more competitive. Where, where, do we, where do we go from here? I mean, what does the next six years look like? Sure. I think uh, that's a very interesting question, especially from the ODP standpoint. Um, if the FSCA implements the, the license the right way, you should see a lot less brokers. Um, I personally think that lower leverage is definitely on the cards, which again, has a negative effect for clients in the sense that they need higher capital to start trading. Us as brokers are, are public disclosures with regards to risk and the percentage of clients that lose money would probably, you know, have to be front and center on every ad that you have, similar to the EU and Australia now. So I foresee all those changes coming. And, 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 and the, not only for the ODP license, but in terms of the FSP license as well, the regulations are going to continue to to be more stringent. The regulator are going to put more pressure on on, on brokers to prove that they should be market participants. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we we welcome that. I think it's going to be a very interesting six years. Yeah, and I mean, and, and just going back a minute quickly. I mean, I we were talking about you know the this lifestyle that's kind of driving a lot of the growth in, in forex trading and, and growing and in this in this specific kind of growth we're talking about yeah we we are coming people coming in with lower deposits and more of a mindset for gambling driven by this social media you know we we've um we've talked about this before in the past internally as a company and um, we had something published um with iol um a couple months ago about this about the broader role of financial literacy in general here in, in and specifically in South Africa, but also worldwide, and it seems like there's a real lacking lack. What I find is a real lack of understanding amongst this younger generation, in in not just forex trading but financial literacy in general. I mean, and would you say that the regulator going forward needs to take a more active role in promoting financial literacy in South Africa? Um, I think it's uh, every market participant's responsibility. You know, not just mm-hmm. the FCA or us as a broker or for instance, you guys is the the review site, the trusted review site. Um, I think all of us need as a responsibility to to educate the public, not only about what does the what role does the FSCA play in terms of regulation and understanding what licenses for what product, but also as you mentioned in general about investing and how to use money, you know, efficiently. Um, but I think all of us have a role to play. We've, we've put up probably over 100 blogs over the last year in terms of risk management, stop losses, and more general investments. Um, so, yeah, I would say it's definitely the FCA's responsibility, but also ours. Yeah. No, and I think, I think you're right. And it's something we as a company have been, um, have been taking more seriously over the last couple of years. And especially, like, I mean, we've, you know, we 
we um, receive a lot of reports from people who've been scammed, and it's heartbreaking. And and you realise that with a, with even a, a little bit better financial literacy, a lot of these people would would not have been scammed to begin with. Yeah, and it's really something we take seriously, and, and hope and hopefully we can make our own little bit. And it sounds like you guys are doing a great job as well. It's kind of the reason we we started this uh, podcast. A lot of it was you know because of these scam reports we receive all the time, um, and this is a way to you know try and help people. And, and prevent them from being scammed. Because these scammers are quite, they're very wily and very clever. And and as you say, Monty, I mean, if somebody's posing as crazy trade, I mean, how's anybody to know otherwise unless they realize that you've got to go and look on the website, find the, the, the license, make sure that you're talking to the right person, you wouldn't know. 100%. And I mean, it's a simple, few simple things. It's not, uh, you know, rocket science. It's knowing simple things as, like I've said before, don't deposit money to someone directly. You know, if you're going to yeah. deal with Quizzy, you're never going to deposit the money to Monty. So if, 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 I'm, if I'm asking you for money directly, then <laughs> that's the first red flag. The second is to know where to go on the FSCI website to check that this is a regulated entity. And the person that you're dealing with is actually on the register as a representative. Um, exactly. And then, the, uh, uh, you know, we get many phone calls from consumers that have already been scammed. And we always tell them, but why didn't you phone us and confirm that whoever the person is, is working for us before you paid the money to you? Um, so it's sometimes just as simple as knowing, you know, contacting the, the responsible entity and confirming that the person is working there. Yeah, and I think that's probably really good knowledge, actually, for anybody listening to this, is if you have been approached by someone, whether it's in social media or you know, by WhatsApp or Telegram or anything, or even if they just call you up the blue or they knock on your door, you know, you know, always check, you know, always check with uh, who they say they're supposed to be from. And and it's also important to know, as you, you know, as you mentioned, Monty, that it's illegal for um, anybody to to invest with, uh, with a customer's money in South Africa without an FSP license. So always ask for an FSP license. And I can bet you nine times out of 10, they're not going to have one. Or they're going to have one, or they're going to give you a fake one, and then you and then you find out, then you go onto the FSCA website and check it. You know. Yes, I think. Uh, I mean, uh, if for for people that aren't industry, you know, aren't in the industry, they wouldn't know where to go. They hear okay on advertisements, it's a registered FSP or, or or whatnot, but where to go to check it um, is a different story. Um, I think the FSCA has a front and center on their website. You can simply just click and put in the number that you've been given and check under representatives, the person is there. Um, but I think a lot of people will, will be saved in simply by not depositing money to anyone in their personal name so, or giving that person access to your trading account for them to trade mm-hmm. on your behalf. Because even though you've given them consent to do that, it's still not legal for them to manage the funds on, on your behalf, even in your own account. Um, so there's... There's all these gray areas where these guys are living. Um, and unfortunately, like I said, we usually get the phone call when when the funds are either already lost or when the funds have been paid to this person. Yeah. And that's often when we hear about it too, which is really frustrating. But as you mentioned, Monty, like, I mean, you know, you guys are a really good broker and we're, you know, we're, you know, and there's, there's a few, there's, there's more than a few. There's a lot of good brokers in South Africa. And between the FSCA's, you know, what they're doing now with the ODP license and um, and the restrictions on leverage, 
I'm really, I'm really hopeful the next six years, as you said, like, I mean, it's going to be, I hope, I'm really hopeful it's going to be a good six years for the, for the trading industry in South Africa. No, it's going to clean it up. It's going to clean it up in a lot of ways. Yeah, look, like I said, the, since the ODP license has, has come out, we've, I feel we're a lot closer to the regulator. We've, we've got an open dialogue with them, not only as, as uh, part of the local forum, but also from, from between Quezi and FSCA. Um, you know, and we've been told that, you know, they are, uh, have multiple investigations open into other brokers that are operating illegally. Um, you know, the wheels of justice are turning just uh, at times pretty slowly. Um, and yeah, we'll, we, we, we're waiting patiently for, for, to see what, what's, what's going to happen. But, but yeah, the FSCA is definitely leading the attack and, um, yeah, like I said, it's 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 a good thing for us because we feel closer to them than we were before. That you know, with the normal financial services provider, you barely ever speak to the FCA. You speak to your compliance officer, you do some desktop audits, and that's about it. Um, where with the FCA, you can have annual supervisory reviews with them. We're going to deal with um, the FCA being at your office for about a week every year. So mm-hmm. I, I wow. see all of these things as a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, they are. You're right. It's fantastic, and it's really, it's really good to hear. Um, cool. Well, Monty, I think I think I about covers it. I mean, is there anything else you wanna you wanna add? No, I think uh, we, we we can leave it there. Let's see what what happens in the next six years, Chris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look forward. We should do this again. We should do yeah. this again a few years from now, and we can uh, we can catch up and see where okay. see where we've got to. Maybe sooner than six years. <laughs> maybe sooner than six years maybe sooner than six years well Monty thank you so much for coming on with us today it's been a real pleasure you know, thank you so much for having me um, like you said we've known each other for many years and um, you guys are doing obviously a fantastic job to, to not only educate the consumer but to give them different options uh, for, for their needs and we always appreciate someone uh, like you guys thank you so much for having me on thank you so oh, much thank you Monty well, thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, we'll speak to you guys next week. Thanks so much, Alison. Thank you again, Monty. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye, Bye Chris.